Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WindDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that WindDaily Sports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. WindDaily Sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in WinBig or Green, you will get one week free of WindDaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page, and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. PGA Nation, we are back and we are coming for a big week the players championship all right so some some news to uncover we took spencer down the streak is over thanks to david bierman of espn he came on he accomplished his goal but we weren't going to follow that up with the players and get another big gun on the show jeff thanks for joining us tonight how you doing Oh, good times, good times. I guess I got to follow in Dave's footsteps. I don't know how often you guys have been taken down back-to-back weeks, so I got big shoes to fill, I feel, right now at the big event. This is a big event, and I think that's, you know, you hear, you're probably here, if you're reading about golf this week, you've read that it's like, it's like a major, it's not a major, it's the fifth major, people want to call it a major. I'm okay with sticking to it. It's basically a major. This field is loaded. I think, Sia, you mentioned a few times, uh, you had some gripes with the contest selection on DraftKings the, early in the year. I can't imagine you have any any issues this week. They have anything you could imagine that you might want to play. Um, so we're fully loaded. How you doing tonight, Sam? I'm good. You're right. Yeah, finally the contests are back. I mean, obviously football season cannibalized a lot of the, the sort of the DraftKings bandwidth, if you will. But even after football season, the, the contests were really, really weak. But Jeff and I were just talking before we went live. I mean, this is like prime golf season. So you better have the full complement of tournament selections when it comes to DraftKings, FanDuel, or really anything else. So, yeah, I'm excited. But, like, my only issue is, and, and I've been running pretty good over the last few weeks, my only issue is not overextending myself because I've been pretty disciplined with the, the tournaments that I've been entering. And I've been doing pretty well. But you know how that gets, right? You do pretty well, and you're like, oh, okay. Now I can just kind of up it. I can put twice as much in. And so – I, I like to preach to everybody out there, you know, just because you're running hot, that doesn't mean you need to overextend yourself because you want to be having fun doing this while you're winning, hopefully. So sometimes when you realize you're super, super stressed on a Thursday or Friday and it's just not fun anymore, that's when you've probably overextended yourself just a bit. Good point. That's a very good point. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine. I mean, I was doing better the five weeks before this week, <laughs> but it's, you know, I'm excited to have Jeff on this show. I think Sia just brought up a good point there when it comes to bankroll management is the key to everything. Just because there's a bigger event doesn't mean that you need to play in over a, a range that, you know, you're not comfortable with. So I think the value on this board from a betting perspective is maybe a different story. If we want to have that, I seem to think that there was more value in the placement markets the outright board kind of went south quickly, in my opinion, but there's matchups to be had. There's going to be all the in-tournament bets, so it's a good tournament. I will just say this. I agree it's important to be responsible, except on first-round leader bets, then irresponsible. All your money. Bingo. And it all, because it's a guarantee. So that was lock. That was obvious. Moving on, we do have a big draft tonight. Um, 
David Beerman, obviously not on today to pick the order. I got second, so I went with, and you know what? Because it's the Players' Championship, it's like the tournament for the people. I thought, as my gift to you, the audience, you get to pick first. With the first pick, see the audience are going to go pick first. So start now. Start putting your nominations in. There's no sure. risk because no one can steal it. So you guys can get going. We'll start looking at nominations starting right now, followed by Spencer. Jeff's going to go third, and I'm going to go fourth. For anyone new joining us tonight with your first show, the way it works is like your typical fantasy football draft. It's a snake draft. We go one through four, four through one. You draft six golfers just like you would a DraftKings lineup. You have to stay within salary, so you can't just take all the best golfers. You'll run out of money, and that lineup won't work. Um, before we dive in, this is a very unique course, and I think more than most, the course breakdown should help you decipher how you want to pick guys this week, how this course plays, and it is – it is a bit different. It's not your typical bombers course. So, Spence, break it down for me. What are you looking for here at Sawgrass? Yeah, so we have TPC Sawgrass, 7,189 yards, par 72. The greens are overseeded right. I want everybody to think of your bent slash POA mixtures. It's Bermuda, technically. It's dormant. It's not playable, so they overseed it for this tournament. Uh, TBC Sawgrass is probably the venue with the best rollover course history that still manages to experience no predictability from year to year. If you look at some of the data intensive sites out there, you'll see it fully entrenched as a top 10 course and what it produces an expectation. But the leaderboards and statistical outputs tell a different story. We see that with so many players going miscut, then a top 10, then a miscut, and then a win that it almost becomes confusing in an expected sense. I don't want that to get taken out of context since the move from May to March has provided more steadiness since the facility was always best suited to be played in colder weather conditions. But there are a few things worth noting. So one, the summer temperature in May gave us a Bermuda surface that was still dormant but playable from the winter and created this fiery test that made stopping your irons on these smaller than average greens nearly impossible. The lightning quick surface we have become accustomed to over the years will probably still be in play. But two, more of where I'm going with this is that the Bermuda texture gets overseeded on all parts of the course, creating much softer landing areas that should allow shot shaping and control with your irons from anywhere on the track. I think strokes gain around the green will still be amplified because of that smaller surface that we talked about. It's probably hard to weigh properly since shave runoff areas allow multiple options to be considered when attempting to get up and down. There are 17 water hazards, 88 bunkers that are put into place to cause havoc. And while the rough is anything but penal, the peat die nature will cause a handful of forced layups for the field. I, I think that's probably going to be the thing that is going to make or break people's models this week because there's a couple different ways that we can look at it. One, if there's not as much rollout, your quote-unquote bombers kind of get downgraded for distance. But then in the same breath of that, I, I think that they're going to be able to club down easier. I, I think that the forced layups of this kind of put you in a in a weird spot because when you think force layups, you think club down and then you think uh, a loss of distance there. And and I think that that's where, when we look at Cameron Smith, who has won, and Justin Thomas, who has, who has won, those are two golfers that are very erratic at times off the tee. And, and I think sometimes we get confused with force layups and the need for distance or the need for accuracy and kind of mold it all together into this really weird complex equation that doesn't make sense. For me, I'm just looking for good total drivers. I don't know if I necessarily have a bigger emphasis on distance or on uh, accuracy when it comes down to it, but you know, there's a lot more 
to talk about than just the distance. Obviously, like the irons will take an increase because of the softer conditions. The scrambling will matter. The scoring. There's a lot of different ways to try to run the model this week. There you have it. Definitely not simplified this week, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> that is for sure. But without further ado, let's dive into this draft. I'm going to pull the draft board up and we'll get right into it. Like we said, audience, you're up first. Um, I haven't seen a nomination yet. Have We've you? got it. The nomination's yeah. in and the, the chat can confirm this for me. Uh, it's not Philip Rivers, although I can say, Jeff, he got nominated like five or six times, which I think is at least a tie for most nominations ever. But it looks like in terms of actual golfers in the field, it looks like Keegan Bradley was nominated twice before anybody else was nominated twice. If I'm wrong, chat can correct me, but that's I'm pretty sure that's what I just saw. So um, we're going to go with Keegan Bradley, who, you know, by all appearances is going to be a very popular player for good reason, especially if you're looking at ball strikers. Jeff, I want to go to you first. Um, Keegan seems to be like a guy that's really smart for this course. Is he somebody that's kind of near the top of your list? He is not. And I kind of feel like I'm on an Island in that, um, respect as maybe the only person that isn't like fawning over Keegan and Jason day, or at least one of them this year. I'm probably, I don't know, on an Island there. I, I love Keegan. I, I respect him, but they're just, I don't know. There's someone else. There's a few other guys who I am kind of attracted to. I expect Keegan to play great. He's striking the ball well. He played great here last year, but I'm just not all in that a lot of people are. He's going to be hyper popular, too, based on the results people are expecting from him. And that price point uh, sort of correlates to huge ownership expectations. I will say this, and Spencer, we're going to get to your pick in a second. And Joel, I'm going to kick this to you real quick. You know, if you go back, obviously Keegan Bradley's playing really great. And I think he has the requisite upside to like, you know, potentially top five, certainly has the, the potential to top 10 here. But if you go back like 20 tournaments, I mean, that's, that's, that's a bit of a way. But like when he's not putting well, he's got missed cut equity. I mean, more, more than people think, I think. So I'm just wondering – are people maybe looking at him as like a safe option with upside? And maybe, maybe it's not, maybe the floor isn't as high as people think. Where are you at with Keegan? My initial reaction with Keegan was I loved him. I wanted to play him. But then when I saw the ownership getting up and, you know, I started looking at the guys around him, I was like, there's so many guys that are within, you know, a point or two of him that are way lower owned that I just, I don't think it makes sense at that ownership to go too heavy on Keegan because I think there's a lot of guys that, that can do very similar things. So I'm coming off of him late in the week, mainly because of ownership. This is yeah, the most volatile tournament when we look from year to year results with it. So, you know, I think that's something for everybody to at least be aware of here. My model likes Keegan fine. I'm probably not going to get there in a DraftKings perspective because of the ownership. It's solely a, a, a leverage situation that I think I can find it in better spots with it. But, you know, when you hear some of my picks to start, it's not necessarily like I'm creating leverage with these picks here. Well, and Spencer, we'll get to your pick. There is something to be said with the volatility of this tournament when you contrast that with his finishing positions. I mean, 5th, 29th, 16th, 7th over his last four. And that, you know, during those stretches, that wasn't necessarily prime Keegan like we're seeing right now. So there is something to be said for specifically his course history. And I think that's probably part of the reason people are gravitating him to. But Spencer, um, you spoiled it a little bit. Are we starting with a surprise? I don't know who it's going to surprise here. I think this might be what everybody expects me to do. But if you look at my teams that have won, there has been one common denominator on that team. 
that I decided not to go with last week. Of course, that is Jason Day at $8,000. So I worry a little bit about the ownership. Like, you know, we can we can make all the jokes about Jason Day and, and <laughs> me going in this direction here. But here's the big key of why I'm doing it above anything else. One, obviously, the price is way too cheap. Like, that's without saying. I, I think he's a top yes. 10 win equity player in this field. We have him priced in the $8,000 range at the very bottom of the $8,000 range. So it's a mispricing. A mispricing doesn't always mean that somebody's in play. I mean, that's that goes without saying. Like, uh, Keegan Bradley is probably mispriced. It doesn't mean that you have to play Keegan Bradley. You don't have to play Jason Day either. But it kind of goes with my point that you can make a decision there. Now, the reason why I am playing Jason Day I don't know how long I've run a model for. I mean, we're on years now that I've been releasing this out to everybody. I have not had Jason Day grade this well for me in any of those iterations of those models. He's second overall for me this week. He is first from a 2023 perspective, and he is fifth in 2023 for running this for upside. There's going to be iron concerns with the proximity. I understand that. The Players' Championship has always been a venue for him where he's found success. And I, I just think that, it's one of those situations when you look at ownership, there's a few ways that you can try to go about it. You can either get super contrarian and you can take these golfers to where I won't name names. I don't want to spoil the draft, but some of these players that are off the radar and try to create something super different, go in the millionaire maker route of that in the big GPP contest. Or I think there's actually a way that you just condense your player pool down to less golfers and be super aggressive on those players. So Jason Day is going to be one of those names to where I will have a less of a player pool from $8,000 and up, and then I'm going to try to fill lineups in around them with some of my pivots. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with Jason Day. It's definitely a misprice. I mean, if you look at his, and Jeff, we're going to get to your pick in a second, but if, if you look at like his ball striking in, in the short game, it's, it's obviously great, but if you just want to look at his finishing positions, maybe you want to look at that along with the strokes gain metrics and you see T10, T9, 5th, 7th, 18th. He's got a miscut in there. T16, 21st, 11th, 8th. You could tell me that's Xander's profile at 10,000. And, and especially if you look at the strokes gain metrics and I'd be like, yeah, that sounds right. I mean, he, he you, you can make the argument based on taking the name away and just looking at the metrics and the finishing positions and be like, this is a 9,400, 9,700 golf. I, mean, I definitely think you can do that. So um, Jason Day makes a ton of sense. If you're playing cash games, uh, I think Jason Day, guys guys like Jason Day and Keegan Bradley, frankly, um, are, are obviously pretty good cash plays. Uh, Jeff, it is on you. And there probably isn't a better betting to DraftKings price advantage than Jason Day. Um, as I, Spencer, I believe, pointed out, that'd be great to see him win. And then Ricky will have to win. And then between him, that those two in rows, feel nice. Feel nice. Okay. Uh, this um, I'm going into the 7,000s. I'm going for a player that I'm going to be invested in quite heavily this week. Um, my model of consistency, and that would be Corey Connors, who was right in the thick of it after a couple rounds last week, 7,400 bucks, I should mention, on DraftKings. Uh, right there after 36 holes, weekend sort of let him down. Many would see that as a disappointing 21st place finish, but guy gained nearly a, a, a stroke a day with the irons. Last couple years here, 21st, 7th. Uh, you know, the putter is at least, you know, 
back-to-back weeks of you know little tour median or just above right where we need um that recipe to succeed at the players for me Corey connors i i absolutely love Corey connors uh, he, he's another one of those guys like in that just sort of jason day keegan bradley mold where he just makes so much sense just a ball striker who's going to keep it in the fairway he's probably going to be great on approach and for the record, I think he's played here three times, gained with the putter two out of those three times. Like this guy, he might look just like he, I mean, it's a better better course fit this week than it was last week. And we saw what he did last week. I, I absolutely love the Corey Connors pick. Before we get to your pick, Joel Spencer, where are you at on Corey Connors? I think Jeff said it best. It's just going to come down to the short game with him. I think Corey Connors has proven he's one of the best ball strikers in the world. There are short game concerns. I mean, that goes without saying he's 109th in my model when you look at 2023 stats around the green, he's 104th from a two-year perspective. And then the putting is a problem with it. But I mean, the upside of what he brings to the table from a ball striking perspective is super intriguing. And, and this is kind of the argument that I've been making the whole week where, and, and I'm kind of happy that the draft went in this order here. If you look at Keegan and Connors in the $7,000 range, and we can even throw day there, you can't play all three. Somebody's going to have to be cut from that mix. And that's the important thing for everybody out there to keep in mind because the lineups are going to get way too chalky. Like it's one thing when you make a build and there's chalk in a different area. It's another thing when the chalk starts coming in the eight and $7,000 range, like lineups become way too similar to everybody else's out there. Yeah. I mean, we have a general rule, me and Patrick Scott, who is in the chat right now. And obviously most of, you know, does work for uh wind daily. We have a rule, we call it rule 17, but there's no reason we call it rule 17 and rule 17 as Patrick knows is really be weary and don't play seven K chalk. So I'm going to play some seven K chalk, but it doesn't, you know, objects in mirror are further than they appear, if you will, because sometimes these guys look so amazing. They look so safe. They look like they have upside, but they're 7K for a reason. And listen, I, I like all three of these guys that have been drafted so far. I'm going to be playing all three, but it's just something to be aware of because it's very easy in this tournament to pivot to somebody who's maybe got a third or a fourth of the ownership and be in really, really good shape, um, especially given the volatility of this course. I, see, I want to move us along. I don't want to stay on this point too long. I just want to very quickly make this. I think the one difference that you just said that at least needs to be noted is the $7,000 range in this event produces a lot better golfers players yeah. are getting pushed down it's not your typical seven thousand dollar golfer like in a bad field Corey connors could push ten thousand dollars he's yeah. a good player he's a top 30 player in the world in my opinion no i totally agree and that's why it, it's a little different because like i said i like Corey connors keegan bradley like your, your typical 7k chalk is somebody like like Russell Knox in like an average yeah. tournament or, or like a Harold Barner, the third back in the day where, you know, there were those tournaments where everybody just loved Harold Barner, the third, and he'd be like plus six after eight. So um, that's, that's the typical seven K chalk. So Spencer, you're right. It, it's definitely qualified. It's different here, but it's still seven K chalk at the end of the day. So it's something sure. you needed to like, maybe take a second look at when you're finalizing your lineup. Joel, you got back-to-back picks. What do we got? I was going to highlight, I would, before, before Spencer said that, I was going to say the exact same thing. It's, the, the 7K chalk this week is a different caliber. It's this different type of field. So I do treat it a little differently. Um, but again, you always want to try and get away from chalk whenever you can. Um, I'm going to take a little different approach with my picks here. Uh, you know, if you guys remember for a long time, I always went with the value plays first. But I'm going to go with my studs first. There's two guys up top that I really like that I'm going to lean into. My first pick, I'm going to take Max Homa. Um, I just think he's playing like one of the best players in the world. I think, you know, this is a course that should suit him really well. 
Uh, I think this is his time to really break through. I think this is the season where he's going to separate himself as one of those top, definitely top 10, maybe a top five golfer, maybe even starting this week. Um, I'm going to pair him with Colin Morikawa. I just think this is the week for him. I think it's a really good course for Morikawa. I do think it's one of those weeks. I want to stay away from the Roms, the Rory's. I think it's one of those weeks where it's maybe one of those second tier guys that comes through. And I like the profile of Morikawa and Homo on this course. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'm pretty big on Morikawa this week where I was a full fade of him last week, which is, I don't know if the audience remembers when he became the first pick uh, of the audience. I, I was pretty disappointed. I actually wanted to go hobbling there, as I mentioned then. But I like Morikawa this week. So uh, I'm a big fan of that pick. Max Homa, interesting pick. I, I don't Spencer, where are you at on Max Homa before we get to, to Jeff's pick? The $9,000 range is stacked. I think you're going to have to make decisions. Like that that's goes without saying on any given week here. But to me, the decision is probably going to veer in a different direction. I don't have a problem with anybody who wants to play him. Clearly the 2023 version of him is completely different than we've gotten in the past. And when I run a model, it looks that way also with it. But without naming names, once again, there's probably three, four players right in that range that are going to be popular. Somebody has to be cut from that mix. And it just comes down to who am I cutting Right now, I'm inclined to say Homa from that group. Yeah, that's fair. I think that would be the guy I, I would probably cut as well, but I, I think it's a fine pick. And by the way, David, I do he too. says, it's okay. The audience was disappointed in Hadwin too. Okay, the guy that was trying to peddle Patrick Rogers to the audience. I mean, Jesus, really? No, you can't. I'm not letting you get away with that, buddy. All right, Jeff, you got Corey Connors. A great pick. Who's next? This might be controversial. I'm going with Victor Hovland. The Love off it. the tee, the ball striking. I gotta, I guess it goes with the a lot of troubles around the green to match Corey Connors. I just gotta expect 16 greens in regulation, but everything else is so off the charts for me. He followed up last year's T, last year's second place finish at the API with the great players, and I'm expecting it again. Yeah, I like I like Hovland this this week too. Spencer, what you got on that? I keep like lumping Hovland into that $9,000 range. I know he's not, I know he's a hundred dollars less than that, but to me, Hovland is one of those golfers who's going to be popular that I would rather save money on and play than Max Homa if I'm directly comparing. Cause yeah. I, I agree with Jeff. I, I think this is a perfect course for him. Like, yeah, maybe he's not going to hit every green in regulation again, but I really like Hovland at tournaments where he gets options of how to play around the green the ability to be able to putt where he's not always stuck. Like there's so many runoff areas that I believe that it's a good thing for him to be able to try to get unique with that facet of his game. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Hoplin wins this tournament at some point in his career. And it very well could be this week. All right. Well, Spencer, um, you've got somebody to pick. That's hopefully maybe going to come in second place behind Jason day. Who's it going to be? If I was running, and this is a very chalky start to a lineup, like I, I'm well aware of that. I'm going to have to try to make this different at some point. But if I am shooting for the moon on a player that I think is going to win this tournament, and this is a golfer who has missed three consecutive cuts at this tournament, I love Patrick Cantlay's upside this week. I think from a weighted tee to green perspective, he ranks third in my model. That's an improvement over his baseline. But really the thing that catches my eye more than anything is how he produces on these short par 72 venues and how he scores during them. So he's number one in my model and par for average. He is number one in my model for par five average and par five birdie or better percentage. He is number one in overall birdie or better percentage. And then the bogey avoidance of six, he kind of has that complete like 
game that I'm looking for here. There's a lot that is asked of players at TPC Sawgrass. A player like Xander, who I am not going to play this week, and Cantlay are two guys that kind of bring that all-around skill set. And I just think that what Cantlay is doing right now with his game, he is peaking at the right moment to try to win this tournament. And he's kind of the prime example of what I'm talking about of these golfers that go victory and then a missed cut. And then like, we haven't gotten that high end nature from Cantley necessarily, but two top 25 finishes before that bad run that he's been on. I wouldn't be surprised if he turns this around and can win this week. Yeah. I like Cantley this week. Joel, where are you at on Patrick Cantley? I love Cantley. He was probably the, the third guy I would have taken with one of my studs, if not for a home my Morikawa. And by the way, he was, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, he's missed three straight cuts here. Not great, but he was in the bad wave last year. If, ever, if, was, if anybody yes. forgot, uh, there was like a really bad wave last year. And um, be in the Wind Daily Discord tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night, because we'll kind of have a final weather report. We know David kind of brings that to us. It's after the ownership article that that Sicily kid will be publishing as well. But um, there, there may end up being a wave advantage here that we want to pay attention to, but that's not really going to crystallize until tomorrow night. So keep that in mind. But yeah, Patrick Cantlay and a lot of these guys who may have been really poor last year were just simply in the bad wave. So that's just something you need to keep in mind. It looks like the audience has already selected both of their, their guys, and I'm in on both these guys. Fortunately, the rest of the audience was very much in on them as well. It's Scotty Scheffler who I like quite a bit. And it's Tom Kim, who I think is really sneaky, uh, particularly because he has no experience here. And so ownership should be off of him a little bit, but also because he hasn't been the guy that's flashed over the last few tournaments, like we saw maybe over the fall swing and, and maybe in January. So I think Tom Kim's a really smart play and a really smart course fit. Uh, Spencer, I'll go to you. And Jeff, I'd, I'd love your comments on Tom Kim. Is that somebody you would end up considering? But Spencer, you first. Tom Kim is on the fence for me. I, I, when we look at what he is capable of providing, I don't know if we know that answer yet, which is what always makes him intriguing to me. My numbers kind of have him sitting in the middle of somewhere where it's his first time at this tournament. I don't know if he necessarily can win it because of that. I'm not saying that it's impossible. Um, I, I think the $8,000 range in general, there's five players that I'm looking at right now that I am penciling out, that I am not playing in any regard. Tom Kim is not one of those golfers. So naturally, it makes it so he can wiggle his way in or out of lineups for me just because I am removing so many players from the mix. And, you know, one of those golfers that hasn't been removed yet would be in Hideki Matsuyama, which Hideki has so many other problems to talk about at this point. That I don't know where I'm going to go, and that's more of a leverage play than anything. So, I mean, if I'm looking at $8,000 golfers that are in play, he's it's probably Hovland, number one. And then Tom Kim is in that second or third spot. Yeah. And Jeff, it's interesting because his ownership is a little higher than I anticipated in that 15% range. I mean, Lowry's lower than him, which is a surprise to me. We'll see how the ownership shapes out, but is, is Tom Kim in the conversation for you or no? He's definitely in the conversation because I'm not, well, I like Tom Kim. I see all the, the reasons why people really do like Tom Kim and there's just people I trust who just been talking this one up and just draw, drawing this dart to this event for almost the full half season or quarter season. So in that respects, in that respect, it's hard for me to ignore or not listen. I'm not, I don't know if I'm strong enough to do that, but yeah, he's there 8,100. He's going to be super popular. Yeah, it all it all every box checks other than the experience. But we've yeah. seen, you know, see woos, you know, just taught a caught a total cannon here before. And I'm, I'm we don't even need him to win to make good on 8100. That is true. 
Yeah. And I, you know, every time somebody says, you know, course history is really sticky at such and such place. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, other than the masters, I'm not sure that there's always room for some of these new guys to come in and just dominate a course. We see it all the time. So especially a talent like Tom Kim, I I totally get uh, playing him. Spencer, you got Jason Day. You're welcome that the audience and me didn't take him and ruin your your night completely. Yeah, Patrick Cantlay, who's next? I was going to take Scotty Scheffler. That's unfortunate that he's off the board. I thought he was a, a unique way to go with this for my build. Um, I'm going to take Siwoo Kim at $7,600. And it comes down to the weighted numbers that I have run for this tournament above anything else. And a lot of times when we look at, like, I agree with your stance that you just said, Sia, in, in a lot of ways with it. But there is something to be said about players on this course who have found high-end success. I don't know exactly yeah. if it's, it's not predictable from year to year, but it's predictable over an extension of period of time. And that's what we've seen with Siwoo Kim. Obviously, he won this tournament. When we look at the weighted tee to green numbers that I run, so on a basic course, just to explain that, that would be taking any course, the basic stat compilation of it, he's 28th in this field. For this specific tournament, he is 10th for me. That is such a massive number for a guy that's $7,600. To me, that tells me that Siwoo Kim can actually win this golf tournament again. I know he won it the first time at 500 to one or whatever he was, but you know, at 80 to one or whatever the price is out there that you can get, my model thinks he should be more of like a 40 or 50 to one golfer. So I have an outright ticket on him. He is getting a little bit more popular on the DFS side of the equation as of late, but I think it's warranted for what we have. And and that kind of goes back to my point of, there's a lot of $7,000 golfers with chalk. You're going to have to pick you're going to have to pick and choose your spots in these situations because you can't pencil every single one of them in cuz all of them are going to model well. You're going to have to pick and choose and remove somebody at some point. Yeah, I, I um I never end up having Siwoo Kim in my pool, but that's just me kind of having a blind spot for him. Joel, yes or no on Siwoo Kim before we get to Jeff's pick? Yes. All right. Well, that settles that. Jeff, it's your pick. Um, I see Zach Jefferson here. He says, Pat Mayo been beating Jeff to death with the Tom take. Um, referring to Tom Kim, of course. Let me ask you, though, speaking of Pat Mayo, because um, I know him to be a, a Frazier fan like myself. I always try to ask guests random questions, non-golf-related questions. So a simple one before we get to your pick, Frazier or Seinfeld? Go. That's tough. Uh, I'll enjoy watching Frazier more now. I get that. So like back in the day when it was like when we were actually watching like live Seinfeld episodes, we were way more into Seinfeld. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. But the the thing about Frazier, it's withstood the test of time, right? The humor is still good. The writing is still good. Yeah, I would rather watch an episode of Frazier right right now than an episode of Seinfeld. That's something I like to call the perfect answer. All right. Do you have the perfect pick, though, Jeff? You have Corey Connors and Victor Hovland, two very real, like great picks, might be perfect picks. Who's third on the list? I hope I do have the perfect pick here, and I'm going closer to the top again. Uh, I'm just going to quickly make sure. Yeah. Uh, Justin Justin Thomas, I'm eating the 9,400. Uh, Spence was mentioning players that have uh, played well seem to enjoy it. Of the elite players, he probably enjoys the course more than than the other uh, like really high end players on tour. 
Uh, he has the lowest scoring average here. That even includes guys that have played it just one or two years. Uh, you know, maybe even catch a, catch a luck sack situation. Goldman coming home with Justin for a second time wouldn't surprise me one bit. Yeah, I, that's another guy along with Siwoo that I never get around to playing Justin Thomas. And, and I'm not saying that's necessarily a good strategy, although it, it has paid off as of late. I do like his history here. It's pretty great. And honestly, you know, we kind of think of Justin as kind of failing over the last, you know, handful of tournaments. It's not like he's been terrible. Like he's just been bad in certain spots. So Spencer, I want to go to you on this one at 9,400 with the upside. It seems like he's like a really solid tournament play. I mean, although the ownership is, is a little high. So like, I'm going to be off him, but what about you? High ownership. I think when we look at the 2023 numbers, they go in reverse from what you would want to see with all of that being said, I am in on Justin Thomas this week. That was going to be my next pick I was going to make. And when you look at what he did last year coming in 33rd place, do not forget he got on the wrong end of the weather draw. And I mean, he put himself in a position with that round. uh, I guess it would be his second round that he put together. That's one of the best rounds I've ever seen of golf before. Yeah. This is a tournament that clearly fits his eye. He has win equity as much as you can have at this event, this is probably one of the better tournaments from him if we're just trying to find a course that suits his eye. So uh, I am in on Justin Thomas. Um, the only reason why I would be out would be because of the ownership and what we've gotten this season from him statistically. Fair enough. Uh, Joel, you got back-to-back picks. You started with Max. Uh, you got Colin Morikawa next. Who are the next two picks? All right, so I'm going to find some value to round this lineup out. I'm going to start with Sahith Tagala. Uh, he's just been playing great. I think you're getting a discount for the way he's been playing this year. In the calendar year of 2023, he's only lost strokes on approach one week at the Phoenix Open. Um, he had a terrible week. But other than that, he's gained every week throughout the uh, on approach throughout the season. He's only lost strokes around the green twice this season, and he's been putting really well. Um, he's got to keep his balls in the fairway. Obviously, if he puts a lot in the water, that, that'll be trouble. That's the same for everybody here. If he gets one of those hot iron weeks, makes a few putts, I think the Gala can compete to even win this tournament and kind of have a breakthrough week. So I really like Sahith here. And I'm going to pair him with what I think is probably my favorite really lower-end value play, and that's Adam Hadwin. Um, Adam Hadwin has some success here at this course. He's only 7,100. We've seen him, you know, all of three weeks ago look amazing, playing great. He cooled off a little bit, and now it feels like people are kind of turning off of him. And, you know, going back to a place he likes to play – you know, his these shorter type courses seem to suit him really well. I think there's a really good fit at 7,100 for Adam Hadwin. Yeah, I think Hadwin's really sneaky. There's a few matchups I gave out on a show earlier today on the early wedge, and one of the matchups was Adam Hadwin over Alex Norn. It wasn't my favorite of the three that I gave out, but it was certainly one that I'm going to bet and that I, I'm very comfortable giving out. I think we're kind of sleeping on Adam Hadwin a little bit, given that he does seem like a good course fit with some decent history here. Shout out to Sahit Gala before we get to Feinberg's pick. He, he follows some of us strictly on account of the fact that we gave him a shout out. I don't know. What, what was it like 14, 16 months ago when basically we were like, hey, man, we're the only ones pronouncing your name correctly. Please give us a shout out. And Spencer, that was mostly thanks to you and, and, and a friend of yours that you were doing a show with. Everybody was saying Sahith. And so we kept saying his name correctly. And I think he appreciated it enough to uh, give us a follow back. But watching him on full swing, man, that was some gripping stuff when, uh, you know, he ended up losing the waste management. And we got to see him for a, quite a period of time, just kind of like taking it all in uh, with his parents and his family. That was uh, it was kind of crushing, actually. But 
uh, good for him. He's, he's, he's just completely all in such an easy guy to root for. I really, I'm so looking forward to rooting uh, and watching to hit the gala the rest of the way. Jeff, you got Connors, you got Hovland, you got JT. This lineup is full of upside. How are you going to screw it up with your fourth pick? Yeah. See, this is the first uh, like true decision. The other ones kind of came easy. It's what I wanted from go as he, as the previous pick was made. Now I'm staring at a, at a few decisions. Um, Tempted to go lower than this, but I'm going to take the bait guys. Matthew Fitzpatrick, 8,600. Ah, geez, it bothers me saying a bit. (laughs) Um, He seems like he's healthy. Didn't obviously have the Saturday he would have wanted. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be um, sort of right in this mix. I expect him to T20 this event. Um, He just... Just do your normal Fitzpatrick things. You'll be fine. Some people think he can actually win. I'm not really there with that crowd, but I'm I'm here for him. I, you know, that's such an interesting pick. I, I wasn't on him at all. I haven't been on him, but I was worried about the neck injury. And, and Jeff, to your point, he seemed fine at the API. Like, you know, maybe that's just much ado about nothing at this point. Um, the ownership's going to be low. I mean, he seems like a pretty great tournament play, and we know he has the the upside to to win. His record here. He's top 10 here. I mean, it's not, he doesn't have a great record here, but again, he's 11 years old. Like he's, he's only been playing a couple of years at this point. Uh, I like the pick. Uh, let me go to you, Joel, Matt Fitzpatrick. He's not on a lot of people's radar. Uh, where are you at with him? So if you told me Matthew Fitzpatrick was definitely fully healthy, I love the pick. Great value, great price. I just am concerned he's not fully healthy and I don't know if you're going to get the full four days. So That's my only concern is do you get a fully healthy Matt Fitzpatrick? Because if you do, I think this is a great value pick here at 8,600. And Spencer, let's get your pick. But if you have any comments on Matt Fitzpatrick, please share. I don't have a massive take one way or another, so I won't take up any time with that. Jeff, that means he hates him and he doesn't want to insult you. I just want you to (laughs) read between the lines there. Uh, Spencer, next pick. I'm just kidding, of course. He hates him. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I want to do with this next pick. Um, I mean, I wanted to go, which is obviously really putting me to the bottom of the barrel here. I wanted to go Scotty Scheffler. I wanted to go Justin Thomas. Those two names being off have made it a little bit more challenging. This is probably the chalkiest lineup I have ever built in my entire life before on this show. I don't love that. I'm going to take Rory McIlroy at $11,000. And... I'm going to hope for the best that that short game of his on some of these quicker greens does not fall apart. Cause that's the one part of my model that has some downside to him 43rd in putting when we put him on fast greens, only 124th in this field, that's trouble potentially for a golfer that does like to be aggressive on those putts. And uh, if he puts himself in a higher three putt percentage and a couple irons go South and we kind of saw that on, I think the entire tournament last week, I know he almost won that event. But at no point during that event did I feel comfortable with it. I thought he was overachieving his statistics kind of throughout the every single day on it. But I don't know. I mean, he's won here in the past. I think at some point he's going to put it together. Probably would rather have Scheffler or Thomas if directly comparing in this spot just because of the salary that I would save on it when I'm already in a weird spot here. But take Rory at 11000 and then I'll figure it out from there. All right. Um, Jeff, real quick, Rory, in or out this week? I'm not out. I don't know how in I am. Um, 
easily see him winning in this sense you know it's kind of will feel obvious maybe dinner time sunday but yeah i'm i have nothing bad to say and that doesn't mean i hate the pick <laughs> i think rory can easily win win the tournament he should probably be, even be the favorite which i think has now developed over the course of the day and a half Everyone, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, that's what we like to call in the biz subtle shade between Spencer no, and not, Jeff. That not, was... I promise. It's, well, uh... see, you're right. It wasn't subtle at all. You're right, actually. It was just right out there uh, for everybody to, to hear. So I don't make a not... business of shading Rory. I feel like that doesn't end well. You're going to have to meet your maker on, on those checks if you're writing them. I did that for two years, and it paid <laughs> off for about a year and a half. Okay, so... good. Yeah. But that's not a good thing. I, you know, I, I should be on Rory more, if, if we're being honest. I actually referred to Rory as the bad Rory, uh, Rory Sabatini being the good one for quite some time. But it's a bit. Maybe not. Maybe it is. Anyway, the point is, the audience has already picked their two guys. And I believe, am I right that it's Sung J.M. and Ryan Fox? It looks like, yeah, okay, Patrick and David have confirmed I'm not going to be a Ryan Fox guy this week. I'll just tell everybody that right now. In that 6K range, I'll probably be looking at Johnny Vegas, of course. I, I don't know that I'll be on Kurt Kitayama, but I think there's a couple guys in that 6K range, in that 67, 6800 range that I like. I just don't think Ryan Fox is going to be one of those guys for me. I think Sung Jay makes plenty of sense. I'm not sure I'm playing him this week, but he definitely makes sense on this course. But Spencer, I want to get your thoughts on Ryan Fox. And then Joel, I want to go back to you on Sung Jay. Just kind of yeses or nos on these guys. Ryan Fox, Spencer, in the pool, out of the pool. I don't have enough data to feel comfortable with what I'm saying about Ryan Fox, but as we currently stand, I would say yes to Sungjae and yes to Ryan Fox. All right, Joel, what do you think? I'm going to say yes to Sungjae and no to Fox. All right. And Feinberg, any comments on this before we get to Spencer's pick? Yes or no on Sungjae and Ryan Fox? Yes to both. All right. All right. I hope I'm wrong on Ryan Fox. Sia says the Fox says no. Very, very funny. Okay, Spencer, it's on you. You just picked Roy McElroy. Who's next? At some point, I have to take a contrarian stance. I think I have four of the, I mean, I don't know, 10 or 12 favorites in ownership in this tournament. That's probably not conducive to try to win a millionaire maker. This feels like, by the way, the exact sort of a build that somebody would start with Rory, Cantlay, Day, fill in a popular $7,000 golfer. So that part scares me a little bit, but um, <laughs> I am going so far to the bottom of the board here. This is ridiculous. Um. I will take Seamus Power at 7,400. I see 4% ownership for him. I do have some concerns with the weighted tee to green that I have for him. He slips negative in that aspect from a normal course. Uh, the weighted proximity is 48th overall, which putting that into perspective would be, I guess, a little bit off from where I would want. But there are positives that I like about him. I mean, one of the things that we're looking for is the course history. There's two top 35 finishes the two times he's played it since 2019. I tend to really like where he's been at in 2023 this year. So when I ran it from an overall perspective, only using the 2023 stats, he graded 14th overall for me. That is kind of one of those scenarios to where I think that what he is doing this year is being going under the radar to the general public when we only have a 4% number and he's only $7,400. Fair enough. Yeah. Power is not somebody that, that crossed my eyes, but I mean, I, I, I love the rationale there. Don't mind Seamus power at all. Speaking of power, Brent Harris 
who is a king of the first cut uh, strokes gain narrative lineups, by the way, or he's one of the kings, I should say, says, we got the power, great pick Spence. That, of course, is a reference to the musical artists group uh, Snap. So we love the pop culture references here. Hence the Frasier Seinfeld question for Jeff. All right, speaking of Jeff, you just got Matt Fitz, but you, this is a great lineup. I actually really like this lineup. I'm probably going to copy it and put it in one of my tournaments. Who's next? Yeah, well, you can just keep the final, the, that first four. I don't know how much you're going to love what I'm going to do with the rest of it. Um, it's kind of going to fit the theme, though, of most of the players on this roster. Although maybe I should. Well, I'm going to take Adam Scott at 7,700. It's kind of weird uh, seeing Scott take a dip with the ball striking. Hopefully, a course that has been kind to him can can rekindle that. Um but it is weird when you stare down the Adam Scott numbers at the moment that the putting seems to be more consistent than we can recall, but he has taken a dip with some of the more reliable parts of, of his game. Um, I'm hoping obviously with the selection, those reliable parts show up this week and I'll do uh, as long as the, as long as the ball striking shows up, I'll live with however that putting performs to be honest. Spencer, I thought I saw something about Adam Scott coming from your counterpart on the Better Golf Pod, Nick Brettwish. Um, is Nick really big on Adam Scott, and are you really big on Adam Scott? Nick was more against Tom Hoagie, I think, oh, in that matchup okay. that he had. I think he's kind of somewhere in the middle. To obviously, he liked Adam Scott enough that he took him. I do like Adam Scott. Um, I, I think Jeff brings up some really interesting points when we see certain parts of his game going in the wrong direction here, but... This is a tournament that has always historically been a good venue for him. And statistically, it still grades as a good venue for him. Whether I run this from a two-year perspective or I just run this with his 2023 stats. And that's something that's important to me here because I want to find golfers that are suited from a longer duration of time. And I also want to find golfers that might be in form ready to find success here. And from a statistical perspective, like it's a little bit worse in 2023 than if I run this from a two-year perspective, but we're still talking about a golfer that in all iterations of my model was inside the top 26. Yeah. Uh, for the record, I actually like Tom Hoagie this week. So I'm just, kind of, I'm just kind of throwing that out there. Um, Joel, you've got back-to-back -back picks, but I want to ask Jeff something since we got on music real quick. Jeff, I ask you the following question, two of your favorite musical artists of all time. And what are the first couple that popped to mind? Oh, man. That's a, that's a tough one. It's always um, a tough question, which is why I contextualize it. And I phrased it in a way where it's like, what are the first ones that come to mind as opposed to like you giving like the right answer? I would say the first ones that, that would come to mind for me, maybe it's weird. I don't know, Chris Cornell. Is that weird? Not at all. Great okay. answer. What else? Yeah. Um, geez, Sublime. I don't know. Nice. I'm a 90s kid, I guess. I love right? it. Yeah. All right. Sublime's a great band. A really, truly a great band. All right. Uh, that answers that. Joel, you got back-to-back -back picks to round out your team. You got Max Homa, Colin Morikawa, Sahith, the gala, Adam Hadwin, and two more. So I will just comment real quick. Uh, I think Jeff made a really good point. I really like the idea of playing a guy who's you know, he's trending the wrong way in what is normally his strength, right? If one thing is going to bounce back, it's his it's approach, it's his, his iron play, and if he continues to putt well and do those other things, then he could have a really big week. So I like that thought process and kind of going out and targeting guys like an Adam Scott. 
Um, but while we were talking about that, I made a big change to my picks. I had to unlock in, change it around. I'm going a new direction. I'm going to start with Ricky Fowler. I mean, we already talked about him once tonight. I mean, his, his game is taking a turn. He's playing really well. Um, you're getting him at a really good price here at 7,500. The ball striking's there. I think as long as he can keep that driver under control, find some fairways, I think Ricky can really compete. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and pair him with a guy who's been red hot in this calendar year the last three weeks, and that's Tyrell Hatton. Um, Tyrell Hatton's been striking the ball really well. Um, he's another one of those guys. The only, my, my big concern with Tyrell Hatton this week is if you if you watch him on TV, you know he can blow up at any moment. And so you have to have some concerns that he puts a ball or two in the water this week and this tournament can go south for him. But I think if he, if he strikes the ball as well as he's been striking it, he can have a really good result. So I was on Hatton pre-flop last week at 35 to one, but after Thursday, I bet him at 70 to one because it was 70 to one. And I just figured Rom might fall and Hatton's was such a good course fit at the API, given his history and, and all of that stuff, man, he really just kind of like a lot of guys kind of collapsed at the end to kind of like give it to Kurt Kitayama. Not that he didn't earn it, but like so many guys could have taken that tournament away from Kurt Kitayama and they just didn't. And Hatton was one of those guys. It's like every time he had an important shot, particularly an important putt, like he wasn't even close. Like it wasn't like we saw nothing good from him at, at down the stretch, which was such a surprise because he's been so good there specifically at Bay Hill. So that was really just that was actually going to be my biggest hit of all time because I was pretty, pretty big on both the pre-flop and post-flop bet. And obviously it's 70 to one. That's going to pay, play, pay pretty big. One thing I'll say about Ricky Fowler and, and um, Spencer, I'm going to get a yes or no from you and Jeff on, on Ricky Fowler, because one thing I noticed about him, and this is con contrast what we saw with Ricky Fowler at the API, for example, where he was going into the API, having a lot of success there, particularly with the strokes gain metrics, particularly with the ball striking. But here he hasn't had much success with the ball striking over his last four tournaments. He's lost three out of four times. So I just feel like maybe this one doesn't fit his swing or his eye, but I could be wrong there. So Spencer, yes or no on Ricky Fowler? This is kind of the spot where I'll just throw a name since we've already mentioned him that I would rather play Tom Hoagie. I'm pretty much completely out on Ricky this week. I think I am too. Jeff, how about you? Yeah, I'm out on Ricky, but I'll like I'll cry for him if he wins. Like yeah. I'll be I'll be very much there for for that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm in on that take. It's almost like it's like a, a dumbed down Tiger Woods. You're not betting him, you're not playing him in DFS, but if he wins. Uh, you're you're just gonna love it. So uh, Jeff, you got one more pick after that Adam Scott pick to round out your lineup. Um, the lineup that I'm going to steal and put in a tournament. What's it going to be? I don't know. This one could change your opinion um, for me here. I just wanted to get those numbers up. No secrets for me. It fits in perfectly with the price point. In the last four runs here, it's a what a 21st, a seventh, a fifth, gaining strokes on approach and. Tita Green and all his starts this year. Oh, I haven't said his name yet. Seventy nine hundred bucks. Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood. It's gonna round I, this one out perfectly for me. <laughs> Jeff, I love that pick. Uh, he's been a, pretty much a monster here, and he's been like you said, the ball striking. Like people aren't really noticing what Tommy Fleetwood's been doing, but not only has he been good here, but he's just been good in general. Uh, so you know, he lost five strokes putting last week. I mean, I don't expect that to uh, to be the norm for him. So. Uh, I think that's such a smart pick. Joel, where are you at on Tommy Fleetwood? I, I like Tommy Fleetwood. I think this is a good pick, a good spot for him. Like you said, he's got a good history. He's he's a good fit with avoiding the blowups. Um, I was considering him there with my last pick as well. 
And Spencer, where are we at on the model with Tommy Fleetwood? I like Fleetwood. I think he's a good pick this week. Yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. Um, th- uh, this that's okay. Here's the thing: we got a problem, ladies and gentlemen. He, we're gonna have a guest win again. I'm telling you. Like, listen, we called it last week. We all we all were kind of like David Bierman's lineup is probably the one that's gonna win. <laughs> I think. Like, I think I think his lineup, and I, like I don't want to get into it like a post fantasy football draft, like stare at the board assessment here, but. To me, like yeah, obviously JT and Matt Fitzpatrick, I shouldn't say obviously JT. Matt Fitzpatrick, I think, is the one guy where like you're not sure where it's going to go, but the upside's there. I I really really like Justin. Okay, enough about that. Spencer, you've got you've got Rory, then Seamus. You got one pick left. I have no you money. You have no money. So what's it going to be? I mean, I'm picking between stars down here. Somebody has to be made a choice at some point. Um, there's actually a golfer that I like a little bit that will be in my player pool this week. I'm going to take Nate Lashley at 6,200. I like the weighted proximity numbers that I have for him. Um, look, I mean, there's going to be flaws in any golfer that we want to talk about, but he's a good par four scorer because of those proximity ranges. He's been really good on the par five birdie or better percentage in 2023. He's had a big increase in my model there. I think that's why he's kind of made a little bit of a run here recently. And the one thing I like is, you know, if we want to say that his one of his negative traits would be his around the green game, he is able to putt from off the surface here. He's inside the top 10 of my model in three putt avoidance. That to me means that if you can put that putter in his hand and he's able to use that facet of his game to kind of maneuver around rather than getting stuck, like a really bad iron play is going to probably just end up in the water or in a bunker which, I mean, we can make a different argument that the bunker play could be a problem for him. But I think if we can just get him in these spots where a putter gets in his hand, I kind of trust him to maybe be able to make it through the cut here. Yeah, I don't I don't mind the pick there. Um, we've got one more pick for the audience. I'll say this, in that low 6K range, a couple of guys that jumped out at me, besides like the Vegases and the Kitayamas in that upper 6K range, but Shelton at 6,600, a guy I've been playing quite a bit, I I like. And I think Brandon Wu is sneaky because I think Brandon Wu has a very low floor, obviously, but I think he has a really high ceiling too. And at 6,400, he can really make a lot of lineups work if that's the route you want to go. Listen, I'm not going to dip much in the 6K range, at least not below 6,800, but I think Brandon Wu is one of those guys that could absolutely crash and burn, but also surprisingly finish like 14th and, and, you know, absolutely make your lineup. So um, has the SIA audience made their pick? Is it Chris Kirk? Is Chris Kirk the pick? Yeah, it looks like Chris Kirk is the pick. Oh, interesting. Um, all right, we round out our lineup with Chris Kirk. Um, I certainly don't hate it. I was on Chris Kirk a couple of weeks ago. That, that, that worked out. Um, I wonder if he's losing steam a little bit, but I think that's probably just a dumb narrative. Um, Jeff, Chris Kirk, did he make, like, did you gloss over his name or were you like, oh, Chris Kirk, 7,900, I like that. No, that was right there. And I'll probably regret I'll regret it in some respects. He's just so consistent and he rides his form, even when he didn't have the win. When Chris Kirk was in a zone, like he was just chomping off those T20s week after week. So 7,900, he almost feels like a, the ideal DFS player. Uh, comfort course form with the win. Yeah, I, I'm actually. Might have been just been blinded by my love of Tommy. That that would be one that maybe I'm going to rethink as I as I as I'm proud of the lineup I made. I might do some small tinkers as well, some variations. 
Well, what's great about both of them is they seem to both be like well under 10%. I shouldn't say well under. They'll probably end up being 8 or 9% owned as far as my numbers show. Uh, I shouldn't say my numbers. I'm looking. I'm not looking at um, the Wind Daily numbers until tomorrow when uh, S Stephen Pilardi publishes those. But uh, I think the ownership's great on Chris Kirk and Tommy Fleetwood. To me, it's kind of surprisingly low. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, wh what else I'm a big fan of is um, our first round leader track record. Joel, is it time? It is time. Simba. <laughs> It's time. Listen, we are hot. And if you remember last year, right, when we got on our hot streak, it, it became like a seven, eight, eight-week streak. So, you know, I'm not saying that you should, you know, definitely bet the first-round leader plays, but you should definitely bet the first-round leader plays. So, without further ado, before we wrap up the draft, don't be afraid to hit the like button. Give us a follow. It definitely goes a long way. We're going to post these lineups on Twitter. Let us know who you think is going to win. We, we all kind of like Jeff's team, uh, but put your vote in. We'll recap it at the uh, next week's show and see who came through. But let's get to the first-round leader market. I'm going to take the draft board down. We'll start with you, Spence. Who are you looking at here for first-round leaders? I just want to add one thing to that very quickly. So I think between the audience and Sia and Jeff's team, this doesn't mean it's the correct answer. and doesn't mean my model's correct. I think – both of those two teams had every single player inside the top 35 of my model. That's really hard to do. So I'm going to say that the winner ends up being Jeff or the audience here. I think those are probably the two best builds here. As far as first round leader goes, I have not made an official card yet. I will tell you what I am 100% on, and then I'll add everything else into the Discord chat later on. Uh, Patrick Cantlay, 35 to 1. You can find that on DraftKings. Uh, Siwoo Kim, there's some 66 to 1s out there. And then Brian Harmon, if you shop around, you can find 100 to 1. Those three are definitely going to be in my pool. And then I'll probably add one or two more before this week is done. I love it. I love it. Jeff, how about you? You got anyone in the first-round leader market? Uh, Corey Connors. Corey Connors. That would be the uh, the one for me. I'm sure that's flirting in the 70, 80 to 1 um, range. Yeah, 65. 65. I love that. Sounds it's one of fair. my picks as well. Yeah. Oh, feel better about it already. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I have a few. One of mine is a uh, hundred to one. I love taking a shot. Someone I drafted, Adam Hadwin. Um, you, we've seen him come out hot early in, in first round, so could be one of those you know hot first round and a hundred to one shot on him. And then more on the on the favorite side, the guys that I like for first round leader. I like uh, Spence. I think you're going to be pleased. Jason Day at forty five to one. Shane Lowry at 60 to 1. And of course, my boy Ricky Fowler at 65 to 1. All right. See, you're the one who is on the heater. You're the one that has been on a ridiculous tracker with these first round leaders. The expectation is not that you'll hit one, but two. So we're expecting you to hit two first round leaders for this Thursday. Who are you looking at? All right. So. I've got six, but two of them are like long shots. So it's really like four and a half, maybe, maybe five. Um, we're going to go with Colin Morikawa at 40 to one. I'm a little iffy on that. By the way, I had a trouble narrowing this down because the afternoon wave and the morning wave, I, I think for once are, are going to be kind of equal when, when you factor in, um, you know, maybe some slight wind in the morning versus the afternoon. So that weather can change, but I, I didn't narrow it down to the morning tea times, which I normally do. So Morikawa 40 to one. Will Zalatoris, 45 to 1. Jason Day at 45 to 1. Tom Hoagie 
at 90 to one. And then the, the long shot, I was debating between at 100 to one, I was debating between Wyndham Clark and Jonathan Vegas, but we're going to go to Jonathan Vegas. So I just said Morikawa, Zalatoris, Jason Day, Tom Hoagie, Johnny Vegas, but your easy button, first round leader, lock. The lock of all locks. We all know first round leaders are super easy to hit and they're very predictable. So your first round leader lock that you should mortgage and then remortgage and steal money from your friends and family to invest it, invest it, keyword there, in this first round leader pick. Ladies and gentlemen, it's backed by our very own guest, Jeff Feinberg. It's none other than Corey Connors, CC. CC me on the winnings, please. Corey Connors at 65 to one. He's your first round leader at the players in 2023. We're telling you on a Tuesday, it's going to happen on a Thursday. You're welcome. That's it. It's that easy. Very simple. Be at Corey Connors, make a lot of money, and then you're rich. Uh, come check out this tournament. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a tough course. Ton of water holes. Guys are going to be swings, uh, but we're going to make a lot of money. Good luck. Big, big, big thank you to Jeff for coming on and drafting with us tonight. Jeff, your team looks awesome. Your takes were really good. We're super appreciate you coming on. Anything else I forgot? Yeah, other than just saying it again, Jeff, thanks for coming on. We, we This is your second time on the show. We really appreciate you. We do have, um, by the way, uh, listen, everybody knows your work, but I, we probably should have led with this. Like for the rest of the week, what do you got going on with the players? I know you've done a bunch of stuff with, with Pat and, and with Andy Lack and, and a bunch of other people. I saw it in the chat. Um, what do you have coming up maybe tomorrow or the next day on, on uh, the players or maybe tomorrow? Uh, more so at this point, yeah, I've done the show with Pat. You can check my video over at Odds Checker Friday afternoon. We don't have the time yet. We sort of wait to see how Thursday plays out. I'll be joining Pat for his live uh, cut sweat. So that'll be obviously later in the day um up up to the end hopefully you know weather permitted last year it was totally botched but yeah so i'm looking forward to that that's obviously my next big thing on the go for this week would be the friday cut sweat oh i'm definitely tuning in for that 100 um last question jeff uh pineapple on pizza yes or no 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 thank you that's thank not you. for me i it's don't like, hate it i don't i don't like you know people we all top our burgers or pizzas differently no one how people do it bothers me but it's a hard no for me yeah, every one of our guests has gotten that question right. I'm so proud of the manner in which we've recruited everybody because clearly they're very smart, dignified people. All right, that's, that's going to wrap it up. Other than, oh, yeah, one last thing, sports. <laughs>